Are you struggling to make your first 100K or next? Are you pretending you're successful but barely getting by? Are you tired of comparing yourself to millionaires and billionaires who make it look so easy? Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like how to make your first $100,000, because I believe this is where 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck. And I tackle the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are successful entrepreneurs who share their mistakes, their number one fears, their daily habits, and their superpowers that push them over the 100K mark. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur and the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. This show was created for you, the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Do you wish growing a business was easier? Are you feeling frustrated that it's taking so long to make your first 100K? I used to feel the same way until I discovered the one thing that was missing. It wasn't more marketing tips or strategies. It wasn't reading more business books and it wasn't learning more stuff. I could show you what's holding you back and blocking your success if you like. Typical side effects include higher income, peace of mind, loving relationships, real connection with God, freedom from addictions, purpose, fulfillment, and a brand new lifestyle. It all starts by scheduling a spiritual clarity call with me to get clarity on what you want right now in your life and to see if we want to work together. Visit josephwarren.net forward slash possibilities to learn more. That's josephwarren.net forward slash possibilities. So today our featured guest is courageous entrepreneur, Steve Ulsher. And Steve is a 25 year uh, entrepreneur. He's the chairman and founder of liquor.com. That's liquor.com. He's also a New York Times bestselling author of the book, what is your what? And I know that's a play on words and he'll probably get into that today and explain it. Discover the one amazing thing you were born to do and stop touching everything else. You got no business in it. Steve is the author of the business technology book of the year, Internet Profits, the world's leading experts reveal how to profit online. He also hosts the number one rated uh, radio show, Podcast Reinvention Radio. He's an international keynote speaker. He's appeared on CNN, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas, and so many other media outlets. In April, he's got this really cool new media summit coming up. He's going to speak to us about that. And he's also got Profiting from Podcasts, um, a course if you're a podcaster just like me and you're just getting going and you want to learn how to profit from it and monetize it really quickly, then Steve is your guy. You can visit Steve at steveolsher.com. That's steveolsher.com, O-L-S-H-E-R. Steve, welcome to the show. Fill in a few of the gaps in that intro, would you, sir? <laughs> no, dude, I think that was uh, really, really well said. So thank you for that. The, uh, the only missing piece, if there is to be one, uh, I would simply say that I've been online since 1993 when we launched on uh, CompuServe's Electronic Mall way back in the day, man. So uh, it's actually my 25th year online right now, so we can certainly talk about all things internet. Wow. You got a history online, brother. 
All right, so I start every show this way. Take a minute and share with us something personal that very few people in your business life know about you, Steve. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's fairly easy because this is something that, uh, that just happened recently, uh, which is on a, on a personal note, I, uh, I had to go in for some pretty, uh, yeah, I don't like to think of anything as major, but uh, my doctor said I have to take it seriously. So uh, had some major surgery, man, took, uh, took out some precancerous stuff and uh, what is, uh, well, what used to be known as my cecum which I did not even know existed and certainly not how I would have pronounced it before uh, I learned the pronunciation on that one. <laughs> Evidently it's at the bottom of the large intestines and connects to the uh, appendix there. And so they had to take out the whole cecum and the uh, appendix as well because the two are connected. Uh, and then they had to reroute the plumbing. So I've been, uh, I've been slowly recovering since then, but uh, just, just going on uh, about two weeks now. So wow. not terribly long ago that, uh, that I had that happen and uh, definitely brought some levity to things. But um, about 12, what was it? 12 days after I had my surgery, I had a speaking gig that I didn't want to cancel. And, uh, and so I flew out to, to Phoenix, a base in San Diego. So flew out to scenic, uh, Phoenix to do that gig. And, uh, and I don't know if it was a sympathy thing or, or what it was, but, uh, but I ended up closing about 60% of the room, man. So evidently I need to have surgery more often. That's, I think that's the, did you, did you use that during the close? Did you, were you like, during you the know, open, you're like, I almost died. Right. You know, they were like, what like... sort of guarantee do you have? I like, I don't. <laughs> Like, the guarantee is that at some point I'm going to die and well, it may actually be sooner rather than later based on my, my health history here. I love it. Well, welcome to humanity, Steve. So right. let's get down to business. My audience loves context. How much revenue approximately gross revenue did your business do in the past 12 months? In the past 12 months, uh, in the past 12 months, we did uh, about 800K. Awesome. And what are you on track for in the next 12 months? What's that goal? Uh, in the, the next 12, we'll do about a million and a half. Congratulations. And that's, really uh, that's, that's, so that's my personal brand. That's the Steve Olsher related brand. That's not liquor.com. That's not my real estate development stuff. That's just the Steve Olsher brand. Got it. And let's talk about that today. So how long did it take you to make the first 100K? In this personal brand work, um, good question. Uh, I want to say it was within probably the first two years. Uh, certainly not the first year, but uh, but by the time I hit the second year, uh, I started to get a pretty good sense of of what to do and how to do it. Um, you know, my accountant would kill me because that's an answer that I should be able to just, you know, blurt off of the top of my head, but I've got so many different things going on that it's hard sometimes for me to separate. Like my tax return, you know, it's about like yay thick. And for those who are listening to the audio here, that was, that was about two inches or so, or as my wife likes to call it nine inches. (laughs) I see what you did there. So Steve, why do you think that 90% of entrepreneurs struggle to make the first 100 K? Because they're trying to do too much. They're just simply not clear on the people that they are most compelled to serve. Now, you mentioned the book that I put on the New York Times list, which is called What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do. And the What Is Your What framework is really built around three answers and then being able to answer three core questions, which number one is, you know, what is that core gift that I have? 
Uh, examples of gifts could be teaching, enrolling, protecting, uh, communicating, you know, healing. Th I mean, those sort of things, right? The second then is the, the vehicle. What is the primary vehicle that you will use to share that gift? Uh, and then the third piece of the puzzle are the people. So who are the people that you're most compelled to serve? And what I have found is that historically, most entrepreneurs um, really don't have answers to I, any of those questions. But more importantly, or most importantly, I believe, uh, is they don't have the core question answered of, of who are the people that they're most compelled to serve. And so it's really hard to hone in on creating products, programs, and services that serve those people if you don't really know who they are. I think you're spot on, right? Without the target, you know, you'll never arrive at that destination. And it's literally just throwing spaghetti on the wall and saying, hey, what sticks? And yeah. I think that's how so many entrepreneurs go through it, uh, at least their first years until they get smart and they get beat up by pain and yeah. suffering. And then I mean, hopefully- even, I mean, even that, that approach, even that question, I mean, it's kind of, you know, back afterwards, right? I mean, it's just like, you, you throw it against the wall to see what sticks. I mean, that's, that's, that strategy in and of itself pretty much implies that you're just trying everything, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to just simply going at this with the understanding of, I'm not just going to try 50 different things. I'm going to try one thing mm -hmm. and run that to 100K before I try to do anything else. And, and that's a lot of where I think they go off too, is they don't take that one program, that one product, that one service to 100K before they start adding other things. I agree completely. On my other podcast, we get into philosophy and religion and faith and all that. And it, it all comes back to know thyself. It's like, if you don't know your, who you are and what you were born to do, like you said, and then who you're meant to serve, you're literally grabbing at the wind, right? And, and nothing works. So I really get that. So take us back to when you were struggling to make your first 100K. Paint us a vivid picture and tell us that story. So it really was a matter of knowing that I needed to do something different. I had been doing real estate development uh, for about nine and a half, 10, 11 years, somewhere in there, 10, 11 years. Um, when, yeah, as, as you probably remember, things got a little bit, um, well, difficult for a lot of folks who were in the real estate space around, in, in our case, it was 2006, and then really started to hit around 27, 28, you know, somewhere in there. And, and we got caught up in that just like everyone else. I mean, we had, uh, portfolio of over $50 million in property. And I mean, just, you know, we got caught up in that just like a, a lot of other people. And, and it served as a wake up call. You know, it was definitely a wake up call where uh, I knew I had to do something that was more than just simply chasing the almighty dollar. And mm -hmm. uh, the final wake up call actually came uh, when I was sitting bedside with my stepfather, uh, who was very much a father to me and had raised me since I was 10. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, when he was in his final days of life, as I was sitting bedside with him and holding his hand, he could no longer speak. Um, but I believe we were able to communicate through that point of touch because I had, I had a, a vision of my funeral, not actually of his, but of my funeral, where I could hear the words being spoken graveside, uh, which were basically, here lies Steve Olsher. He dedicated his life to chasing the almighty dollar. Uh, and that's all that was said. 
And, you know, again, it it hit me really, really hard, you know, in that moment, because I knew that I think, well, I knew that he was really showing me my my inevitable fate unless I changed course. And then that's when I started down this path of realizing that, you know, hey, I I may not be a a genius, I may not have made a billion dollars, but I've got something to teach that can definitely help people avoid a lot of the same brain damage and kind of work through a lot of the trials and tribulations uh, that I had worked through and share, you know, those shortcuts with others to help them avoid, you know, some of those same outcomes. And I knew I couldn't really lay in my deathbed looking at myself in the mirror unless I had shared those thoughts in a way uh, that really uh, didn't go to the grave with me, right, and allow others to, to benefit from that experience. So I didn't really know what to do in those first few years, first couple of years for sure. Uh, but I knew part of it was writing a book. Yeah, I knew I had to get a book out. Uh, and, you know, like any author, I thought I might sell a million copies of it, right? And, of course, that didn't happen. But I also knew I was pretty good from stage because I had DJed for a number of years and played drums for a number of years, right? So I had a pretty decent stage presence. So I thought I could do a live event. And so I started a live event called the Reinvention Workshop. And so between the books and the live events and then trying to figure out you know, exactly what I could offer people that was based on my experience. I mean, that was, that was really the struggle, you know, of just trying to figure all of that out. Uh, and it wasn't until I landed on this moniker of being a, a reinvention expert and starting reinvention radio and getting uh, training from, uh, from a coach who understood how to help authors get more visibility with their books and then monetize that visibility uh, it wasn't until then that it really all started to make sense to me. Mm, I get that. So was the reinvention, that was the vehicle that you were going to use to kind of drive you to that first 100K? Well, I had thought that through the books and the reinvention workshop, uh, I could get to that, that 100K. Yeah, that was, that was the thinking going in. I thought I could do speaking gigs. You know, if I could just get 10 speaking gigs at $10,000 a pop. Uh, there you go. I mean, I'd be, I'd be done for that now. Uh, I mean, I, I can tell you to this day, I've never been paid $10,000 for a speech. I wouldn't pay me $10,000 to listen to me, but, uh, but maybe, maybe I would, but I actually buy stage time now because I sell from the stage and I become really, really good at it. Uh, but at the time I thought, you know, Hey, that might be a great way to do it. You know, just let me speak on stages and get paid to speak. Uh, so I struggled, right? Struggled trying to figure out what those primary ways were to really monetize uh, what I was doing. And, um, and, and it took me in a number of different directions before I kind of settled in on a path. Mm. How did you know, like, which direction to move in? Well, like, I don't think I, yeah, I don't think that I ever really sort of uh, fell into, hey, this is exactly what it is that I'm going to be doing until more recently when I realized that uh, podcasting, believe it or not, is something that I, I really enjoy doing. Radio's always sort of been a holy grail for me. Uh, and, and so just having been podcasting since 2009 and being connected with a lot of podcasters uh, and just knowing how often we get pitched for people to come onto our show, it, it just it occurred to me that there's probably an opportunity here to not only help people uh, really discover their what, as I do with the book, but then share and monetize it based on 
my background of having created four multi-million dollar businesses from scratch. And I realized that the one of the ways that I really like helping people share uh, and monetize their what is through podcasting. Uh, and that's how I, I ended up down this path. But really, um, the, the main, if you think about like where sort of things shifted for me, it was where I realized that just helping people discover their what wasn't enough. It just kind of left people with a great answer to a question, hmm. but they really needed to understand what to do with that. And when I added the share and monetize pieces to that whole framework of helping people discover, share, and monetize their what, that's when everything really did start to shift. Wow, that's huge. Huge insight there, right? It's like you were doing well, you were making the money, um, just getting people to really discover their what, knowing themselves, what is it that you're born to do? But yeah. it wasn't until you really connected and said, okay, how do I like give them the first few steps yeah. um, after you have the what? Like, how do I literally lead them to that, to winning, to winning in what it is that they're born to do? Um, and now it's all gelling together. And I think you're just at the start of it, which I think is fantastic. For sure. I, I speak about superpower on the show a lot. Like the one thing that you make uh, look easy, right? What's that one thing that naturally you're just gifted at that you make look easy? What is your superpower that you shouldn't spend your, a lot of your time doing other things? You should just focus on that. Yeah, it, I mean, it's twofold. Number one, uh, and you have this gift also, which is being able to bring out the best in people, right? Mm. And, and being able to talk to them in a way where a conversation becomes interesting and worth listening to. Uh, so certainly sitting at the, at the mic uh, and interviewing people and being able to connect with people uh, and attract people to the shows that I do. Uh, I mean, that's certainly a superpower, no doubt. Uh, but I would say that uh, really doing the, the live events that I do is probably the primary superpower. And that goes back to just my days of being on the stage uh, as a DJ, as a, as a drummer and so on. Uh, and really understanding, I mean, you know, wedding DJ and the whole night. Like I did clubs, I did weddings, I did the whole thing, man. So uh, you know, being able to, to uh, create a, a special atmosphere at live events where people uh, just have a much different experience mm. that creates uh, just tremendous bonds that I don't see a lot of other events creating. And, and that gift of being able to connect people uh, in a really deep, meaningful way in person and facilitating that process uh, I think is probably the core gift that I have for sure. I get that. I also resonate with it. And thank you for that um, affirmation that you said there. It's like doing podcasting. Like it, it's, it's interesting, right? I can connect with you because I could see you on this video platform. Um, however, I can't see startup nation. I can't see my listener and I can't see their reaction, their body language, what's landing for them. What's not landing the way I can on stage. Mm -hmm. When I'm on stage, man, I am in my zone and it's yeah. just, it's like, I don't know. It's magical. It's just moving an audience to really open up and connect and connect yeah. with each other to connect with themselves, to connect with their God, all of it. And I just, I really get that. Let's go back a little bit there. Describe your biggest fail, mistake, or setback uh, that you made your first year in business. 
Well, I mean, we've got to be, we have to talk about which business, right? Because still I actually, on this, still on your personal brand on this. So in this world, um, okay. So in this world, I, there's, there's been a lot of mistakes um, and I'm still making mistakes. I would say that the mistake that I continue to make that I just can't seem to break the habit of uh, is I'm really good at getting people onto my email list as an example and subscribing and, grabbing freebies and so on. Um, I'm not really good about segmenting my list and talking to them as individuals and really understanding. I mean, everybody kind of goes into the same pool and people come to me and end up on my list uh, from lots of different places. And, and that's a mistake I made from, you know, from the get go. And it's a mistake I continue to make now. I mean, for whatever reason, it, it works to some extent. Um, but I, I've imagined, I, I imagine that I've left, uh, a lot of zeros on the table. They're probably mad at me right now, those zeros. Um, but I've left a lot of zeros on the table because of, uh, my relationship with my list, which, uh, could be markedly improved. Mm, I so get that, you know, and I think it's such a common mistake and thank you for being transparent about that. Cause I think a lot of marketers aren't transparent. They just mm -hmm. pretend they're doing great. Um, but it's like speaking to the one person, right? Whether we're on a podcast or via email, it's difficult. And yeah. it's so important to know like who is our avatar, who's our ideal client, like what is going on in this person's world right now yeah. as they're hearing my voice, as they're hearing my message. So I get it. What was your number one fear that really messed with your head uh, way back then? Well, uh certainly messes with my head now too, right? <laughs> Which is, uh, if, you, if you think about just continuing down that path as far as email marketing is concerned, um, I think what really just messes with my head is believing that I don't have the time or ability to speak to that one individual subscriber and create that custom experience for them. And, and so the fear uh, I think is the, really more than anything else is that I wouldn't have enough to say. Like if I just took one subscriber down one specific path, that at some point I'd run out of ways to help them, of ways to continually to, to you know, to, to kind of prod them along their journey. So, um, but I think that's more of a fear than, than anything else because, you know, reality is, uh, as I said, people come into my world in various ways, like we give away our, our entire book, what is your what, right? So people can opt in for that and, <clears throat> and they grab the entire book. And so those people are very different from the people who opt in for, let's say our ultimate directory of podcasters, which features over 700 podcasters through their contact info. And it's, you know, it's just 160 page PDF. I mean, it's an awesome directory. It's an awesome resource. Um, but reality is that people who opt in for that aren't going to be the same people that opt in for the what is your what book, right? So uh, could I talk to people for an extended period of time about discover sharing and monetizing their what down that path? Of course. And could I talk to people for an extended period of time about how to best use the directory and how to leverage the power of podcasting and so on? Uh, and the answer is, of course. So this is just a, a game I think I play with myself. I get that game too. It's like, I think speaking to that one person, what we may be missing out on is creating raving fans. 
for our, for our brand, right? And taking yeah. the time to speak to that one person takes them from just um, a fan <laughs> to a raving fan because they're connecting with you in that such a human way. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, totally. And you know what I just realized is at some point we're probably going to invite people to either grab what is your water, grab the director or something of that nature. And now they're like, eh, yeah, maybe I won't. Well, let me just let me say this, which is, you know, even though it's not a specific path, we still add value for our subscribers for sure. Uh, but yeah, you know, it is, it is interesting as I sit back and I really look at it, uh, you know, exactly where, uh, where, where things sit right now as far as uh, my relationship with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. But, you know, at the same token, I, I guess I could kind of think about it and you can kind of think about it as, uh, is really not being a heck of a lot different than it would be on social media, right? I mean, you put together a, a post. Um, sometimes you're talking to that one person, uh, but oftentimes you're kind of sharing a, a more general message that still helps people, um, but it can be a little more general, right? So I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting I, conversation. I think it is too. It's like... Um... I was, I, I do a course with Hank Norman and uh, he speaks about stop going on like Facebook live and, and starting out your video with, Hey guys, or Hey everyone. He's like, there is no such thing. As no, you, know my, you know, my favorite one is man, you'll what? appreciate this one for all those listening out there. Yes. Right. For and, all and of you out there, where is out there? You know, like where, where is this exactly? Yeah. Those like are talk about like you can't push them far enough away from connecting with you. It's like, you're actually blocking them. It's hilarious. <laughs> Sweet. Steve, tell us, uh, what was your, the best business advice you've ever received so far? Uh, that is a story I love telling because it's just so appropriate for all of us as we look at making, uh, these, these leaps of faith, if you will. Um, you know, I, th I think as entrepreneurs, we, we all have fears, right? I mean, we have a lot of fears. Some fears are legit and, and some fears, of course, are um, yeah, just fabricated in our own minds. But uh, reality is I think we all have fears about making that leap, whether it's to a new product or program or service or doing a live event or starting a new podcast or whatever it might be. Um, and, and so when I was, I guess I was around 19 at the time. Uh, and I had been DJing for a number of years and I had built up a pretty good following. And I thought, you know, maybe I can open up my own club. But I was 19. And so I knew it would have to be a, a non-alcoholic club, right? Wow. And I had grown up in an environment where there were teen clubs. Uh, I grew up out, you know, just uh, in the Chicago area there and there were teen clubs. Um, but when I went to college at Southern Illinois University at Carbondale, uh, just down at the bottom of the state there, I, I noticed there weren't any teen clubs, right? And so I thought, you know, this might be an interesting idea, open up a club. Um, and I thought maybe because we didn't serve booze, then we wouldn't be, well, we wouldn't be subject to the, to the liquor laws, right? So we could stay open as late as we want. Bars, because they serve booze, they had to close at 1.30. But if we didn't serve booze, it was kind of like a like a YMCA, I mean, whatever. We were just a place for people to come and gather. We could stay open as late as we wanted. So I had this idea to open a club that would cater to the teenagers early, you know, maybe 8 to 11.30, and then close down for a little while, uh, and then clean up, and then open, uh, say, like at midnight. 
and then go from midnight till four, five, six in the morning. And because we didn't serve booze, we could do that. Uh, and because, you know, most of the kids probably had their fill of booze at that point, but didn't necessarily want to go home. They could come and they could hang out and dance and, you know, have some non-alcoholic drinks and some food and so on. So I thought in theory, the, the business made sense, right? I thought sure, the idea I it was good. Uh, but I was talking to a, a, actually a golf coach of mine uh, at the time, and I was telling him uh, about the idea. And he said, you know, well, I, I think it sounds like a really good idea. Why, you know, what, what are you afraid of? Why wouldn't you do it? And I said, well, you know, I guess I'm, I'm afraid of looking bad if it doesn't work. I'm afraid of losing money, right? If it doesn't work, I'm afraid of not being able to recover, if it doesn't work, and of course, that's fairly humorous in the scheme of things, given how far I would have fallen at that point, like, what would I have been recovering from? How far could I actually have fallen? As a matter of fact, just as a complete side note here to this story, which is long, and it'll get longer. Um, you know, if you look at the the way that we're structured here in America, we actually reward failure mm -hmm. in, in, in a lot of ways, not only in terms of, you know, just emotionally yeah, it sucks, but people appreciate those who have gone through trials and tribulations, but even the government rewards failure when you come right down to it in, in not necessarily a pretty way, but there are bankruptcy laws, right? That are designed specifically to protect businesses from that. Hey, you're screwed for the rest of your life thing. No, we say we can help you. You know, mm -hmm. chapter seven, chapter 11, chapter 13, there are actually laws that are designed to help you in the case that you do fail. Mm -hmm. So going back then to the conversation with my golf coach and I was thinking here, you know, like I just might not be able to recover this, look bad, the whole nine. He's like, well, tell me what you're doing now for money. You know, what, obviously you're paying for the, for me, you're, you're doing other things, what are you doing? And at the time I was, uh, I was DJing, I was waiting tables, I, I was even pumping gas. You know, I was doing whatever I had to do to, to make ends meet on that. And, and what he said was pretty profound. And you know, you have thousands of conversations with people over the years and most of it you forget. I mean, let's be honest, but there are certain things that people say that just absolutely stick with you for a lifetime. And this is one of those things. And he said, well, I think it's a really good idea. And I think you should do it. And if things don't go as planned and things don't work out with the club, you can always go back to pumping gas. And it was just like one of those mantras that has really stuck with me all of these years. And, and I share that because reality is there's always something you can go back to mm. if push comes to shove, right? I mean, you can clean toilets, you can wait tables, you can pump gas, you can do whatever it is that you need to do if push comes to shove and you got to keep the lights on, you got to keep the roof over your head. So uh, that's a mantra that I've tried to live by, you know, which is I can always go back to pumping gas. I like that. I think that's fantastic, right? It's just, it's so simple, but it's, it's a good reminder, startup nation, take the risk right now in your business. Maybe you're holding back and you're not pushing through the hundred K because you're scared of what you can lose. As Steve's saying, you can always go back, Look at sometimes the best thing you can look at is the worst case scenario. Like how bad could this really go if I lose it all? Okay, I have to go back out and get a job. Great, I'll get a job and I'll build up some income for the next six months and then I'll start something new. And and sometimes 
or many times, I think the worst case scenario isn't as bad as fear makes us believe it is. Would you agree with that, Steve? Yeah, I mean, you can look at the roller coaster, like literally the roller coaster. If, you've ever, if you're an amusement park person, you go to roller coasters and you're standing under that thing. It looks pretty scary. I mean, I, I still won't get on that. Uh, well, where I'm from, they call it the giant drop which is kind of like that big tower and there's a circular thing with people all around this circle thing and it mm. goes all the way to the top and the magnet's kind of holding it. Yeah. And then it just yeah. free falls and then it stops you obviously before you hit the ground and splat. Uh, but it, I still won't get on that thing because the fear is so huge, but I've been on roller coasters where you're standing there underneath it and you look at it and you go, yeah, that's a pretty big drop. And then you get off and you're like, whoa, that was, you know, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually have an, ac- an acronym for fear. Uh, I know there's a lot of them out there, but the one that I use is forget everything about reality. And, and I think that's often what happens is we just, we lose all sense of reality when we're paralyzed by fear. And mm. truth is things probably aren't going to go as good as you hope. Uh, but they're not going to go as poorly as you think they might. It's usually yeah. going to be somewhere right in the middle. And, uh, and I think if we can just hold on to our, our sense of self and, and really hold on to that definition of fear as forgetting everything about reality and getting back to reality, mm. uh, that can help. Startup Nation, get on the roller coaster that's in front of you and enjoy the ride. Have some fun. Steve, share with us one of your daily habits that's helped you to get to where you are today. Ooh, you know, I wish I was one of those people that said I, I wake up at 6.30 and I, and I meditate and contemplate the powers that be. Uh, no, I, I get pissed at my alarm every morning. Like it comes way too early. I've, I, yeah, I've gone through probably six phones in the last seven years just because I chuck them across the room. Uh, but, you know, uh, daily habits, honestly, I'm being a little facetious. There are only four phones. Um, But, you know, daily habits, I think that the best habit that I have uh, is a mantra that I took on uh, a number of years ago because I've been fortunate to create businesses that, um, well, people want and and people need. Uh, And when you do that, there's a lot of activities. You know, I I try to keep up on my inbox. I try to keep that fairly well under control. Uh, but there's also a lot of selling, obviously, that has to be done, and a lot of marketing that has to be done. Uh, and one of the, the mantras that I use uh, when it's a matter of, well, having to choose between potentially equally attractive options uh, is the mantra of new money first. Mm. And, and that's what I focus on, is what I call new money first. And that doesn't mean going after people who have just made a billion dollars. It means that if I have an opportunity to close a sale, I will close the sale before I will address something that is in my inbox, if that makes sense. Makes total sense. We do that here at our co-working space with my team is uh, the priority in your to-do list for my team is revenue producing task. Yeah. Right. So if it doesn't produce revenue, it's a lower priority. But if a client walks in, they're ready to sign up, drop everything you're doing, stop it, stop the train, so to speak, and get them signed up. So I get that completely. What's uh, your favorite website, app, or digital resource, and why? 
Uh, well, uh, Pornhub's pretty good. Um, XM, you're killing me, you're killing me bro. Uh, I'm a, you keep oh. up this humor. I'm going to put you on Broken Catholic Podcast and then <laughs> oh, we'll have good. a real chat. <laughs> As a Jew, that would be a good thing for me. I need that one, no doubt. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I will be the first to admit that I'm not, I'm not great uh, about resources. I, I'm just, I'm so, honestly, I'm so inundated uh, with creating around my businesses mm-hmm. uh, that I don't have a lot of time to go on to apps and websites and so on. That mm-hmm. said, um, I will say this as a parent, uh, that one of the apps that I really uh, am in favor of uh, is an app called Our Pact, O-U-R-P-A-C-T. And what Our Pact does is it gives us as parents control over our kids' phones. Mm. And so we can control, well, their schedule, we can control the apps that they use. We can control whether or not they have uh, access to the phone or if they're blocked. And, uh, and as a parent, it's, uh, it's a, actually a very, very helpful app. That's good because you can keep your kids off Pornhub. Right, exactly. <laughs> gotcha. All right, and last question here in this segment. What's the one thing you want the world to know about being successful in business? Uh, successful in business. I think the, the one thing I would ask for the world to think about uh, is really first and foremost, just how do you define success, hmm. right? Because I think that without that definition of what success really means to you, it's certainly hard to know whether or not you've actually achieved it. And, and just being able to define what that means to you, I think is super important, number one. Uh, From my perspective, I will tell you how I define it, uh, which in my way of thinking, success means having the courage, the determination, and the will to become the person you were meant to be. And I can't take credit for that quote. That's a Joseph Sheehan quote. Uh, But that has helped me since I've come across that quote, Uh, because that way I know whether or not I am successful Uh, In this moment uh, of time, am I having the courage, the determination and the will to be and become the person that I was meant and made to be? I love it. I think Startup Nation, if it scares you and excites you at the same time, it's probably the direction you should move in, just like a roller coaster. Awesome. So we are speaking with Steve Olsher and you can find him at steveolsher.com. That's Steve, O-L-S-H-E-R.com. He's a 25-year-old, 25-year-old, uh, look at that. What a confidence. If I was 25, <laughs> yeah, I remember he's, those days. He's a 25-year entrepreneur. He's the chairman and founder of Liquor.com. He's a New York Times bestselling author. Steve, uh, take a minute, would you, and uh, tell us about New Media Summit. Like, take 60 seconds. Sure. So the New Media Summit is a brand new event that we created. And I say brand new only because it's about a year old now. Uh, where we not only teach attendees how to leverage and monetize the power of new media, uh, but it's the only event where uh, a small group, 150 attendees, have the opportunity and ability to spend three full days with 40 of the world's top podcasters and not only learn directly from them and develop real relationships with them, but we do also set aside ample time for the attendees to pitch the podcasters on who they are and what they do and literally get booked on the spot. 
I love the concept. And when you invited me to do it, um, like it just looks attractive and I watch the videos and everything and just seeing the attendees just lit up and saying like, I'm a, a new coach or I'm a new speaker and I'm trying to build up my brand and my audience. And I just got booked on 20, uh, of the top podcast shows. And yeah. that's going to expand my visibility, expand my reach, expand my audience. To me, that's a no brainer startup nation. If you're a coach or an entrepreneur and you really want some visibility right now, it's a uh, check out new uh, media summit. What's the website for that? Yeah, Steve? it's new media summit actually.net. We kept it. Uh, we kept it in the tech land there. So new media summit.net. Got it. And then really quickly, 60 seconds, profiting from podcasts. Um, speak to my listener right now. If they want to start their own podcast, what specifically, how specifically would they benefit from signing up for that course? Yeah. So profiting from podcasts is an online training and it's actually nine modules. It goes really deep into how to truly leverage the power of podcasts, most importantly, by appearing as a guest on other people's shows. We do include a launcher podcast training, which is a separate program that teaches people how to create their own shows. But what we find uh, is that a lot of people don't want to do all the work mm -hmm. of having to create their show on a consistent basis. So if you want to get booked on the world's leading shows, uh, you need to know how to make that happen. It's not as simple as just sending them an email or calling them. I promise you that. Uh, and then if you do in fact uh, end up with that opportunity, how do you, well, how are you an engaging guest? How do you enroll people into your ecosystem and bounce them from being passive listeners to being active prospects? And then how do you monetize that visibility? So really from, from A to uh, 100K. <laughs> it takes I love it. I love it. And where can they find that? Is that on your personal website? Yeah, you can go to steveulcher.com or profitingfrompodcasts.com. Awesome. Steve, this is my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. This is where I'm going to ask you uh, 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. Just say the first thing that comes to you. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's a better question. I'm ready, brother. Steve, <laughs> what's your favorite sound? <clears throat> I got it. <laughs> Steve, what's your least favorite sound? No. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, probably a DJ. Cool. What are you most afraid of? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, losing the love of my wife or kids. Mm, that's powerful. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? <laughs> do you really need me to answer that? I do. <laughs> uh, surfing sites that I should not be present on. <laughs> Got it. That is transparent and I love it. Thanks for going there. Steve, what secret fear do you have about people? Uh, that they don't like me. Mm-hmm. Very human. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? To focus on one thing and build that to 100K before I'm branching out. Mm, love that. Listen to that wisdom, Startup Nation. That was powerful. What's a new habit you want to form, Steve? Uh, new habit. Wow, that's a good thing. I'm pretty dialed in at this point, but if there is anything, uh, I would say probably working out a wee bit more. Got that. And what's a bad habit you want to break? Uh, smoking a little too much weed. <laughs> Pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, bold, for sure. That was my DJ name, Mr. Bold. Uh, bold, authentic, and uh, visionary. Yeah, I get that about you. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in business. Uh, ambitious, 
frightened and um, I would say pretty clear uh, in terms of knowing that I just wanted to make a bigger impact somehow. Got that. And we spoke about this a little bit earlier. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Uh, actually, I know that answer. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, he, let's see, uh, he was, uh, oh, I got it. Uh, loving father, good friend, and he was significant. Mm, powerful. Put a dent in the universe. And last question, Steve, if you could come back to life after you died, and tell your family and friends and loved ones only one piece of advice. What would you say to them? Uh, when you die, everything goes black. So don't sweat it because nothing happens in the afterlife. So you might as well enjoy it right now. Got it. You're definitely coming on my show, Broken Catholic. We're chatting about that, bro. You're just trying to push my buttons. I see it. Cool. And Steve, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? And I mean that, by the way. No, I'm serious. I've been under enough times to think everything goes black. Uh, SteveOlsher.com. Uh, is certainly the best way. And for you who has uh, survived this interview, uh, if you want to grab a free copy of the New York Times bestseller, What Is Your What? Uh, I'd love for you to grab that at whatisyourwhat.com. Steve, thanks for joining us today. And I wish you peace, love, and superpowers, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right, cheers. Startup Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your business without building faith in your business. If you want to have that conversation on the faith side of things, go check out my other podcast called Broken Catholic. On that show, I interview all different guests about why the world isn't working right now. Plus, I tackle unspeakable topics that you may secretly struggle with but won't admit. We got to get your faith right to get your business right. Go to BrokenCatholic.com. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and I'll see you right back here next week.